1: He e tēnei, nā te reo irirangi o they
0: say life is stranger than fiction.
1: It's incredible, isn't it? This ability for a material to self heal. Um, it's the holy grail and something that scientists would ultimately like to be able to do.
0: But sometimes what we see in movies or read in books is so incredible that it obviously couldn't be possible. Put it.
1: But they're making them on the nanoscale. So they're making tiny particles, which they layer on top of each other, that become incredibly strong.
0: Welcome to Sci-Fi Sci-Fact with me, Brian Crump. Every week, a scientist from New Zealand's McDiamond Institute explains the facts behind the fiction. In this episode, we uh, suit up with Dr Catherine Whitby, Senior Lecturer in Chemistry at Massey University, and McDiaband Institute Associate Investigator, and write out how realistic Iron Man's suit, the titular character's futuristic exoskeleton, really is. Okay, let's do this right. Start mark half a meter and back to center. with blood and then stand by for fire safety. You, roll it.
1: Okay. Activate hand controls. We're gonna start up
0: nice and easy. We're gonna see 10% thrust capacity, chief lift. And three, two, one. Iron Man first put on the magic suit, what, back in 1968, according to the Marvel comic world?
1: That's right, yeah. And it's an amazing kind of thing to put on, right? It's it's this mechanised suit of armour that gives him superhuman strength, it's durable, and, I mean, it's even got weapons as well. What more could you want?
0: Yeah. Well, it turns Tony Stark, who's the regular guy, right, um, mm-hmm. before Tony becomes the Iron Man, from just a regular guy with a huge ego, Okay. although that might <laughs> depend. See, I know Iron Man from from uh-huh. the movies. And who plays it it's who plays him in the movies? Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. That's yeah. him. Yeah. That's right. He plays him with a very big ego. But now with Iron Man's suit, he's he's got a body to match his super ego, which makes him even more annoying in a way. <laughs> In a way, exactly, But, but that, <laughs> that is perhaps part of the charm of Iron Man, if um, it does indeed have charm. But, you know, not only is it that allow him to, to withstand bullets and fly in the sky and probably at supersonic speeds and shoot bullets himself, and this is the deal breaker for a bloke like me who can't sew, the suit mm-hmm. mends itself, am I right?
1: It's incredible, isn't it? Um, this ability for a material to self-heal. Um, it's the holy grail and something that um, scientists would ultimately like to be able to do but yeah that suit that can effectively and I the other thing that I really love is the fact that he just kind of Touches a button or makes a move, and the suit starts growing around him. I mean, yeah. that's incredible.
0: Yeah, no, no mucking around in the changing rooms, you know.
1: No, that, no, no, he hopping doesn't. into a phone booth yeah. or something like that, you know. <laughs> no Hang on, people, no just hot, spinning stop around and around with a flash. <laughs> no, none of that. Just
0: put the push a button, instant superhero. That's the way.
1: Absolutely, that's what you want, right?
0: Okay, now this sounds like a long way from reality to me. And this is where your work comes in. What exists in real life that in any way matches what Mr. Stark does with his suit?
1: Well, one of the big or really interesting features of this suit is that it's kind of like a shell that's got this incredible strength and this ability to protect Tony from all sorts of situations. And we're actually starting to try and, imitate these kinds of shells which already form in nature. So this idea of using a a hard covering or a shell to support and protect a human body probably came from the shells that we see in nature. Animals like clams and oysters, even things like snails, you know, they have that sort of shell on their outside that protects them from the external world. It can have lots of other really interesting um, functions as well. Um, But it's kind of like an external skeleton rather than the internal skeleton like, you know, you and I have.
0: Turtles and tortoises, do they have, is that shell regarded as an exoskeleton as well?
1: Yes. And in fact, they have, or some of them have, both um, an internal and an external skeleton. So they're really interesting creatures.
0: Now, on one level, that sounds like, I mean, it does protect you. But there's one thing that a lot of those things have in common and which is maybe a bit of a problem for Iron Man. None of those things move very fast as far as I know. Is that one of the compromises you have to make? If you build this this shell that protects you from attack from the outside or maybe just the weather outside, heat or cold or whatever, then you can't move very fast?
1: I reckon it probably depends. You see, the advantage that Iron Man has in his shell is that his armour is also mechanised. So it has motors in there that get him moving around, whereas for the animals, their big, I guess their big focus was is on making this covering that protects them and they don't have little motors to put in them to, to move them around. They haven't needed to do that, but it is ultimately a feature that you can imagine human beings would want to do. Um, You know, there are movies we see, futuristic movies where people put on a suit and then they're able to lift huge weights and things like that. So ultimately, that's what you'd want to be able to do.
0: Okay, might come back to that later on. But Mm -hmm. just moving on to another thing the Iron Man suit does, mending itself. Mm -hmm. Now, this, mm-hmm. this could be something which nature does because, uh, I mean, basically all those living creatures have to make the shell themselves, don't they? Nobody else makes a, apart from a hermit crab, of course.
1: I mean, these creatures, you know, something like a sne- sea snail, for example, um, builds its own shell from scratch and this is one of the creatures that keeps growing and getting bigger um, and it has to keep kind of extending and expanding its shell so it can fit inside it. So that self-healing capability is a really interesting feature and function of this kind of material.
0: Getting back to moving around at speed, however, don't some mm-hmm. insects have an exoskeleton as well and they You're maybe right. in terms of, of relative to their size, do move quite quickly. Can you think of some examples?
1: Uh, let's see, what about things like um, grasshoppers and the like?
0: Yeah, I mean, they can move. I mean,
1: <laughs> Exactly, yeah, they've got real springs <laughs> and, in their feet, haven't and, they? And, and don't,
0: don't fleas have an exoskeleton? Uh, I'm not fleas? sure, but I, I do know it's a pretty hard to crush a flea, and I'm guessing that's because they've got a hard shell on the outside. And, it could be. And, and, you know, a flea relative to its size can also move a hell of a lot. You try catching one of those fleas.
1: That's right. Yeah. No, look, you're right. They um, they do have very strong exoskeletons that make them very hard to crush. And they're also able to, to leap out of danger really quickly. So when those fleas jump off your cat and uh, you're trying to chase them around, that's how they get away from them fast.
0: Once they're living, can they actually repair mm-hmm. those shells?
1: Yes. In some cases, some animals can repair their shells. Um, in other cases, what happens um, is an animal might have to possibly shed its shell and then try and grow a fresh one. Um, and other animals, once the shell is really badly damaged, I think, unfortunately, that's it.
0: This is another problem here. See, mm. the name Iron Man suggests yeah. that there's a fair amount of, um, of steel or iron in, in the suit. But mm-hmm. shells are made of calcium carbonate, aren't they? On the whole,
1: that you're right. They're mainly calcium carbonate, and it's really weird when you think about it because calcium carbonate is chalk, isn't it? Um, and that we're quite familiar with is quite a you know a soft material. Um, you can write on it with chalkboards and the like. And yet somehow these animals have transformed a material that appears to us to be very soft and malleable, into a material that's very hard and durable.
0: What's the difference in the recipe?
1: The difference is in how these animals precipitate or form the particles of calcium carbonate and how they kind of layer them together. So you know how in a brick wall... It's made of lots of bricks that are piled or organised into these layers on top of each other and packed together in a really clever pattern to make walls nice and sturdy. And they have in between those bricks um, a kind of a a cement that holds the bricks together and adds extra strength to that um, structure. Well, a lot of these animals are kind of making brick walls, but they're making them on the nanoscale. So they're making tiny particles of calcium carbonate, tiny flat particles which they layer on top of each other into these layered structures that are become incredibly strong.
0: And what are they sticking the particles of or the molecules of calcium carbonate together with?
1: Ah, is there any there, other you,
0: any other molecule that gets involved?
1: You're right, there is. So these shells are really interesting. they're, not just pure calcium carbonate. They're made maybe 95 to 99% calcium carbonate, but there's a tiny percent of proteins and carbohydrates, um, things called chitin. And these are sticky molecules that form like the glue in between those flat plates of calcium carbonate and hold them together nice and tight to form that tightly packed layer.
0: Has anyone tried to mimic this in a lab? And Because what I'm getting at here is that that suit mm-hmm. can mend itself. And in order to mend itself in a, in a useful time frame, it's going to have to do it pretty quickly. Otherwise, you know, too bad for Iron Man. The bad guys arrived and Iron Man was, uh, was undressed. So to speak, exactly. had his pants I down, mean, had his suit around his ankles, and that's no good. So, what? What is there? Anything that can make this speed this process of making the shell up?
1: People have been looking actually uh, for several years now. Scientists have been trying to mimic this process of biomineralization, this shell-making process in the lab, and it. About a few years ago now, there was a professor at um, the McDermott Institute in Wellington. Her name's Kate McGrath. And she actually um, developed a process that's kind of mimics the natural process used by animals like sea snails to make their shells. And The beauty of this process is that it's very flexible and versatile and since then people have gone on, they've done extra things to this process and actually they're now getting towards being able to make materials that might start to approach becoming self-repairing.
0: How much success have they had?
1: Well it's pretty early days on the self-repairing but we're already having a lot of success on mimicking biomineralization in the lab. So what Kate realized was that what she ultimately needed to, the problem she needed to solve was when we try to make calcium carbonate, it tends to uh, precipitate out of solution in the form of these big lumps, um, which are difficult to kind of pack together into that layered structure that you need to form this tightly packed shell. And it occurred to her a hydrogel or a gel would be a way of trying to control and direct how the calcium carbonate precipitates out of solution.
0: Right. Well, does this mean you would apply the gel to the shell
1: you're trying to mend? Yes, exactly. Um, and indeed, that's the idea that some scientists have had. They're trying to use these gels almost as dressings for wounds and the like, as materials that you could apply where there's been an injury or there's a hole. And if within them, they can then direct the growth of those calcium carbonate crystals into a structure that kind of fills that hole um, and binds that up, then that indeed could be a one way of repairing damage.
0: Right. So a couple of things come to mind here. One is that Mm. could you use this technique to mend broken bones?
1: Actually, you could. So people have taken variations of it and are looking um, into things like Tissue regeneration or or growing bones and the like, definitely.
0: Getting back to the Iron Man suit. Mm -hmm. So say the Iron Man takes a bit of a a blow and the suit's got a crack and the next blow will blow it apart. So he's got to get it. It's Mm -hmm. got to be, you've got to mend it. It's got to mend itself. So say Mm -hmm. he did put a gel on. Will the gel be able to reorganise the molecules of chitin? Is it chitin or shiten?
1: (laughs) Chitin. 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 <laughs>
0: Neither. Chitin. Right. <laughs> Not. I like that Freudian slip there. Um, <laughs> the chitin and the calcium carbonate, will mm-hmm. it just reorder those molecules to form a strong bond again?
1: It can do. Depending on the types of proteins that you've got in there, you can uh, – what one of the things that Kate um, discovered and other people have found as well, that the choice of protein – can direct the structure and shape of the calcium carbonate crystals that form, and similar applications, um, or there is similar approaches can be used in methods that biomineralize or form other kinds of materials in similar kinds of gels.
0: The reason I ask this is, say, mm. and this is a different problem. Say, Iron Man has a hole in mm-hmm. in his suit. Now, now there's actually some calcium, carbonate and, and chitin that's disappeared. Surely at that point, you've got to get some more raw material. Nothing comes from nothing, right?
1: You're right. I mean, animals like sea snails that are making their shells, they suck up the calcium and the carbonate that they need from their local environment. So there's calcium ions, there's carbonate ions, there's lots of ions in the water that they can actually. uh, The sea snail sort of sucks in, sucks in, and then recycles to form and uses to make its shell. So that is a little bit of a a weakness of the Mm, idea that we've come up with.
0: I mean, if you could absorb what you needed from the atmosphere, from the air, Mm. you can probably get your carbon uh, Mm -hmm. that you might need from the air. But I don't know about the calcium and what's chitin made of it? Carbohydrates. So, again, you might that's be struggling right. to get uh, carbohydrates from the air as well.
1: Yes. Not some I mean of the, the ingredients
0: for carbohydrates, but not all of them.
1: That's right. And the sea snails generally, uh, these animals generally provide the proteins and the carbohydrates, but it's it's the ingredients for the the mineral that's part of this biomineral that they um, take from their environment. But, you know, there, there are probably opportunities. So, for example, snails on land, will they pick up ions like carbonate from the soil. So we might have to think about where, uh, where we could source these raw materials from. But this biomineralization process compared to some of the other routes that we use to make these materials is actually, it's got lots of advantages. So often if we in the real world want to make some of these minerals, we have to make these materials using high pressures and temperatures, um, really aggressive sorts of conditions. Meanwhile, animals like sea snails and the like, they're making calcium carbonate under much milder Hmm. conditions. So we've still got work to do to figure out how to make materials much more sustainably. Um, and that's really a, a function of how, or well, that's one of the big goals of the McDermott Institute, is to find ways of Making materials in a fashion that's almost circular. So we use materials that are already made or have already been produced and we recycle and reuse them, kind of like a circular economy.
0: But from what you're saying, Catherine, Iron yeah. Man has been misnamed. Iron Man should be um, Chalk and Chitin Man, right?
1: It should be in the I real mean, world. Could, yeah. you,
0: could you do any of the stuff that we've just talked mm-hmm. about
1: with steel? That's a really good question. Not that I'm aware of, no. The biomineralization that I'm familiar with is really about making um, these inorganic solids, not metallic materials. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a different kind of material that we're talking about here.
0: So if we accept then that Iron Man is probably off beam, but mm-hmm. chalk and chitin man could be mm-hmm. something that could happen in real life or woman for that matter. The, one of the issues with shells is that they can get brittle and also that weight thing. So do you think you could create a suit that then is able to, you know, have also give you flexibility? when you're flying around there in, 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 the, in space or wherever you might be, just flying around, I guess, generally, because he doesn't have an oxygen tank on his back as far as I know. He's just got a fuel tank to blast him around. Could you do that with something made of a shell that's made of chitin and calcium carbonate?
1: I reckon you could. So, for example, different shells of animals, like things like lobster claws, are incredibly um, tough and hard to manoeuvre, whereas other kinds of shells with different ratios of calcium carbonate and proteins um, and carbohydrates have different degrees of flexibility. What you might have to do also is have a system where you have plates of the calcium carbonate. So it's not a completely... One whole continuous shell, but you've got plates of the stuff, and uh, in between the plates you have material that allows some flexibility, so that the plates can be bent around shapes.
0: Almost like scales, perhaps, and that would maybe exactly. give you the flexibility to be able to do That's all right. the arm and leg movement, or whatever that he does when he's flying around, or, or when he's firing a gun, or whatever he's doing.
1: Exactly. Yes. I mean, there's, you know, it's it's incredible what nature can do, the materials that it makes, that we are only slowly learning and figuring out how to mimic in the real world.
0: Sci-Fi Sci-Fact is hosted by me, Brian Crump, and produced by Andrew Robertson. It's made possible with the enterprise of the brilliant minds at the McDiamond Institute. You should be able to find the podcast on any podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. It's also available on the RNZ website, rnz.co.nz. Thanks for listening.